Oh, Lord, we pray that you would show compassion and grace and mercy to us now. We feel our weakness. We feel our helplessness. So we ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to us now so that we may meditate upon your word and consider your ways and live for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we pick up again our series in the book of Philippians and we've been working our way through this book and we've been seeing, uh, particularly in the recent weeks that we've been studying this book together, that the Apostle Paul is encouraging the church in Philippi that he's writing to, to unite with one another to unite with one another and to unite by being humble. They need to show humility if they're going to experience unity. And we see that in chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, chapter 2, verse 1 of Philippians. I encourage you to have our church Bible open before you. It'll be very helpful to us as we look at God's word closely together. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded having the same love and being one in spirit and purpose. Very strong emphasis there on the unity that we should have and doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, that is how we unify with others. We've got to be humble. In humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then we saw, when we looked at it together, uh, the great example of humility in order to bring unity. What is that? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to speak wonderfully of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ and particularly his death at the cross. And so the Apostle Paul has been encouraging the, the church in Philippi to do the works of God and to unite with one another in humility. But anyone who knows about being humble and then serving others and uniting with others, it is not easy. It is hard work to unite with others, to do the work of God. It is hard work. And the Apostle Paul even gives some words to describe this work that he has been doing for the Lord in verse 16, which illustrate how hard it is. Verse 16 of chapter 2 says, As you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not... And then he, he's going to describe his work. How does he describe his work? As running or labouring for nothing. The Apostle Paul recognises that doing the Lord's work, uniting with God's people, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, praying for people, loving others. It's a laborious task. It's like running. And who likes running? Well, some people do. But, uh, but after a certain amount of time, they say, all right, that's enough. I get, I've got to stop. It is hard work. And he doesn't even just use the words labour or running there in verse 16. He also has an even more graphic description of what it means to serve God. What is that in verse 7? But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. He says that his work is like a drink offering. We saw in the Old Testament there, as mentioned again and again in Numbers 28, about drink offerings to the Lord. The, the Apostle Paul here is talking about how his life feels like it's just one of being poured out, poured out for the sake of others. And some people even say that this is a reference here to what he, he expects that will happen one day to him of the fact that he will be beheaded and maybe even blood will gush from his body as a drink offering to the Lord's service. As he has been serving the Lord, of course, he's been put in prison and he even faces capital punishment. And so he considers his life to be a drink offering. But it's not just the Apostle Paul who feels this way. 
Uh, we see the way that he describes the work of the believers, and particularly the church in Philippi, in similar graphic terms. In verse 17, what does he say? But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. He considers the works of the faith of the Philippians to be a sacrifice and service. And those are words that imply, again, that it is hard to work for the Lord. It is not easy work that we're called to in this life. It is sacrificial work. It is work of service. And so the Apostle Paul, he considers his life to be a drink offering, but it's like the drink offering in the Old Testament. You see that there were offerings made, sacrifices made, and his is like the drink offering that's offered on the side of the burnt offering that may be offered, some sort of animal that was offered. We saw so many different offerings made there. It seemed like a, a bit of a lengthy reading, and we're not Jews, and we're not offering these offerings every day and every week and on special occasions. What was the point of reading Numbers 28, Joel? Well, we saw there again and again the sacrifices that had to be made according to the law to atone for sin, and the drink offering that was again and again. You go back through Numbers 28 this afternoon, you see how often a drink offering was to be added to the main offering that was there. And that's how the Apostle Paul is picturing his work. The Philippians' work is the work of the sacrifice, and Paul comes in and he's a drink offering next to, or maybe on top of, their sacrifice, their work. And these are graphic terms for us, and we start to think, isn't the work that we do, isn't the work of the Apostle Paul and the work of the Philippians pictured in a wasteful way then? Don't burnt offerings, burnt sacrifices only result in ashes? What's the point of offering a sacrifice of an animal? It just results in some ashes there. No one gets to enjoy eating the barbecue. It just results in ashes there. Or a drink offering. You just pour it out and what happens to it? It simply evaporates. What a waste. And the Apostle Paul even talks about his, his labour being maybe for nothing. What does he say in verse 16? As you hold out the word of life, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour for nothing. He is concerned that his work, his running, his laboring, it's for nothing. And the idea of sacrifice, it sounds like a waste, doesn't it? Sacrifice, this work that just results in ashes or evaporation like a drink offering. So shouldn't the Apostle Paul be unhappy about his work that's been assigned to him? That it's laborious work, it's like running, it's hard work to serve the Lord. You think of a person who's working hard, does he have a smile on his face? You think of the runners, I see runners running around the bay around here, they don't have smiles pasted on their faces. Shouldn't the Apostle Paul be unhappy in his work in the Philippians as they sacrifice their lives in service to God? Well, we see in verse 17 and 16 that they're not. Uh, sorry, verse 17. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. The Apostle Paul is glad and he rejoices. And not only that, the Philippians, they rejoice in their labour as well. He says he rejoices with them and he encourages them in verse 18 to rejoice. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. Now why would the Apostle Paul rejoice in his running for the Lord, his labours for the Lord, the fact that he's been poured out like a drink offering? And why would the Philippians rejoice in the fact that they're being sacrifices to the Lord? Well, one reason is because they see visible fruit from their labours. What is the labour meant to be for? It's meant to be for unity. What is the unity that we hunger and crave for? Well, it's not just unity with one another. It's union with Christ. 
Look with me back at chapter 2, verse 1. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, then go on to unite with others, to be one in mind and having one love, same spirit. That is what their sacrifice is for, is for people to be unified with Christ and then unified with one another. And we see this as we labour for the Lord, as we do his work and it's hard work, we actually get to see people uniting with Christ, embracing Jesus Christ, and then uniting with his people, the body of Christ. And that's what it really means to unite with God's people. It doesn't mean that you somehow unite with Jesus over here and then unite with God's people over here. No, God's people are the body of Christ. And so uniting with Jesus, yes, we unite with him, but we also unite with his body, his people, as he dwells within them. And the Apostle Paul knows this. I mean, he loves the church in Philippi because he sees visible work, uh, visible results from his work, from his sacrifice. He's poured out like a drink offering, but it doesn't just evaporate. He sees visible results. And so he even anticipates that the people in Philippi will be like a crown for him. Look with me at chapter 4, verse 1. Chapter 4, verse 1 of Philippians. Therefore, my brothers, you who I love and long for my joy and crown. That is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. He sees results. And so what does he do as he labours? He is glad and rejoices. But even if he doesn't see visible results, why is he glad? Why does he rejoice? Why does the church in Philippi rejoice? Well, it's because they look forward to boasting on the day of Christ. And we see that in verse 16. Verse 16, he says, as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ, that I did not run or labor for nothing. He expects that all his work will result in boasting on the day of Christ. That his work that seems to result in only ashes or vapour in this world will result in glory in the next. Just as Jesus was sacrificed at the cross and was raised to glory, so Paul and the church in Philippi expect to be raised with glory as well. And we see so many promises in scripture about the last day and the reward that is to come to God's people and the glory that is to come for them. Matthew 16 verse 27 where the Lord Jesus himself is speaking he says for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. Lord Jesus is going to come back with his angels and then what will he do? Then he will reward each person according to what he has done. A reward is coming. You may say hang on isn't this boasting the pride that the Apostle Paul has been trying to rid the Philippians of. He's been encouraging them to have humility. Now he's talking about boasting, and he's talking about himself doing that. Isn't this what he's trying to overcome, the idea of boasting? The answer is no. Why? Well, this boasting is a boasting of what God has done in them. That the labour that they do, that is like sacrifice, that is like running, the hard work, it is the work of Christ in them. Where does all the sacrificial work come from? Where does Paul have this desire to be a drink offering? Where does that arise from? We see in verse 17. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from, coming from where? Your faith. I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. Why does anyone work for the Lord? 
particularly hard work. Where does it come from? It comes from faith in God, faith in Jesus Christ. And where does that faith come from? We know that Scripture teaches that faith is a gift from God to us. It does not originate with us. It comes from God. He grants us faith in him. And then the work that comes from that faith, it's all of God. We even heard this before. It was a wonderful way to feel humble. It was verse 13 when we looked at it before. It says, For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Yes, we are to work, but it is God who works in us. So the boasting that we will do on the last day, it's a boasting about the graciousness of God to give us faith and then to work in us and to produce such hard work, sacrificial work, a willingness to serve him and to serve others. And that's what the Apostle Paul says again and again. He does not make much of himself and his work. He makes much of God and God's work in him. When we looked at that verse, verse 13, I quoted from 1 Corinthians 15, 9 to 10, where it says, for the Apostle Paul is speaking, and he says, For I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. He worked harder than all the apostles, Peter, John, James, all of them. I worked harder, Paul says. Is he boasting there? No, because what does he say? Next line. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. What's the boasting that the, Lord, uh, that the Apostle Paul is going to do on that day? It's a boasting of the work of God in his life. And Romans 15 says something similar. Turn with me now to Romans 15, page 1125. 1125, go back a few pages in your Bibles. Romans 15, verse 15 where the Apostle Paul speaks about his work, but then shows why he does the work and what he will be doing on that day. Romans chapter 15, reading from verse 15. Romans 15, 15. I've written you quite boldly on some points as if to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles with the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. See what he's talking about? I'm talking about his work here, that he's a minister of God, and it's a minister, ministry to the Gentiles, proclaiming the gospel of God to them so they can become a sacrifice to God. And then verse 17, Therefore I glory in myself. No, therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, I have, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. And then he goes on to speak about his ambition to make Christ known. So the Apostle Paul... What keeps him going? What gives him a joy and a delight in hard work? It's knowing about that day where he will boast about what God has done through him. And so isn't this helpful for us, this passage in Philippians chapter 2, helpful for us? Why? Oh, because don't we do the same things that Paul and the Philippians did so many years ago? 
Don't we labour in loving unbelievers and sharing the gospel with them so that they will unite with Christ Jesus? Don't we labour in loving believers? We love unbelievers, we try and help them as best we can, but we also love believers who are amongst us and keep on teaching them the Bible, encouraging them to look at God's word so that they will unite with Jesus more, with his body, the church, and of course with him personally. And don't we labour in prayer like the Apostle Paul and the Philippians did so many years ago? Don't we labour in prayer for unbelievers and believers so that they are united with Christ Jesus? Don't we give sacrificially of our money like the Philippians did for the Apostle Paul so many years ago so that pastors and missionaries can do the service of the Lord that they feel called to, that they're gifted for, so that more and more people can unite with Christ Jesus? And so if we are doing the same things, if we are laboring and running like the Apostle Paul and the Philippians so many years ago, don't we then also feel what the Apostle Paul felt and the Philippians felt, that it's hard work? If we are doing the same work, haven't we also felt that it is hard work? Can't we also compare our efforts to running, to laboring, to sacrifices, Don't we sometimes feel like we're a drink offering? We're being poured out, maybe slowly, maybe sometimes more quickly. We're being poured out in service of God. Sometimes the sweat even just rolls off us as we're doing the Lord's work. Maybe manual work that we're doing for the Lord in some way in your service of him in your job. Sometimes it's in the service of him in sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Sometimes I feel like I'm being poured out like a drink offering up here on the stage. I'm a little bit higher than you all, and particularly in summer, it's a little bit hotter up here. And then, of course, you've got the aircon pointed directly at you. You're all sitting there quite uh, cosy on your, on your seats. I'm the one flapping my arms around. I'm the one who's getting excited and maybe nervous. And so the sweat's coming off me. Feel like I'm being poured out like a drink offering. And you may feel the same when you've been sharing the gospel with others. You get nervous, you get a bit warm, and you feel like you're a drink offering. You're not going to be like the Apostle Paul, where beheaded and fluid flows from your body, but sometimes the sweat comes out as you serve the Lord. And so then, don't we also sometimes feel that our ministry, our work for the Lord, is a waste of time? That it feels like a waste. Isn't our love and service of unbelievers often rebuffed and simply overlooked? We try to love our neighbour. And we do love our neighbour. We do things for them. And they just take it for granted. Our evangelistic efforts are just simply ignored or met with open hostility as we try to love them by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with them. They are hostile to us. Is now service for God's people often received with coldness or ingratitude? Is now teaching of believers, of other Christians met with indifference, or they tell us to simply calm down? Stop quoting the Bible all the time. Can't we talk about something else, Joel? Don't our prayers seem to go unanswered? Seem like a waste of time. Doesn't our money seem to go into a bottomless pit? There's always someone else to support as well. Someone else wanting our money seems to never end, seems to be one big sacrifice. And don't some believers that we 
serve and we help and we spend so much time with. We, we share meals with them again and again. We have phone calls with them, send text messages and really try and help them as best we're able. And then it turns out they're not actually believers. And they walk away from Christ altogether. Second Peter warns about such people. Of them the Proverbs are true. A dog returns to its vomit and a sow that is washed goes back to wallowing in the mud. Very, very discouraging to see someone that you've poured so much of your life into go back to a life of sin, like a dog going back to gobbling its up, up its own vomit or to wallowing in mud. And it's so sad because Peter warns about what will happen to such people and, and what the state of that, those people are. He says, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20, he says, if they have escaped the corruption of, this, of the world by knowing our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ and are again entangled in it and overcome, they're worse off at the end than they were at the beginning. It's worse for them to have come to know Christ than before they knew Christ. Verse 21, it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than to have known it and then to turn their backs on the sacred command that was passed on to them. And you see people do this and you feel like, what did I achieve? What a sacrifice. What a drink offering. I was just poured out into this person and it's just evaporated. And the person is actually worse off now than they were when I was investing in them. And so don't we feel that we should be sad and despair as we serve the Lord in such laborious ways? But does that happen? No. In spite of it all, we are glad and we rejoice in sacrificing ourselves like the Apostle Paul and the church in Philippi did. Why? Well, we experience the joy of being used by God used by the Holy Spirit for visible results. Yes, people walk away from Christ, but there are other people who walk to Christ and they stay with Christ and are united with Christ and with his body and you get to rejoice in the way that the Lord has used you to help that person. But also, even if you are poured out into somebody's life and it seems to achieve nothing, we can rejoice and be glad. Why? Because we look forward to judgment day. The award ceremony that is to come for all those who race for the Lord. Don't we look forward to boasting on the day of judgment about what the Lord did through us? Don't we want to be like those at an award ceremony who get up and thank others? But we will on judgment day thank one and one only. God himself, the three in one, Father, Son and Holy Spirit will thank the Father, will thank the Son, will thank the Holy Spirit for all their work through us, for his glory. So in 2021, did you feel like it was a bit of a waste? Over this last year, did you feel like all your work at the end of this year, it's all been a bit of a waste? It was all for nothing. And do you fear that 2022 will be another wasted year? That 2022 will be another year of hard work, and it'll all be for nothing. Because so I can guarantee you that next year, 2022, will be a, a year of labour. It'll be a year of hard running, a year of service and sacrifice for others. Regardless of whether you're a Christian or not, life will be tough. Why? Because we live in a world of sin and the consequences of sin. Misery and despair and danger is all around us. 
Work is not easy. Work for the Lord is not easy. Work in general is not easy. If you're a child at school, it's still hard work to be at school. If you're out in the workforce, it's hard work. Thorns and thistles infect every workplace, not just the farmers. It is hard work. That is what you're facing in 2022. But there is hope. What is the hope? Well, you can live a life of sacrifice and ever-growing despair that all your labour is in vain, or you can live a life of sacrifice and joy knowing that your labour is not in vain. How? By building on the foundation that won't give way. And what is that foundation? It is Christ Jesus, the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. If you trust in Jesus Christ, you build on his sacrifice for your sins and therefore your work, your labour, is never for nothing. It is not in vain. It will endure for all of eternity. It's a wonderful passage that shares this so well. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Turn with me there now, page 1,129. 1,129 of your church Bibles. A very fitting passage to read as we go into a new year. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, reading from verse 10. Page 1129. 1129 if you've got a church Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. The Apostle Paul says, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful on how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. So there's one foundation, which is Christ Jesus. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Encouragement there to build upon the Lord Jesus Christ and to build doing his work, not your work, but his work of loving your neighbour and loving the Lord. If you're not a Christian, I encourage you, trust in Christ now so that your life is not a waste. Your life is not a waste. Start building on the sure foundation of Jesus Christ, that sacrifice of Jesus so many years ago at the cross, and know the joy. Know what it is to be glad and rejoice of God using you even while you labour, you do hard work. Children, start now. Don't delay. Don't waste the first few decades of your life on frivolous matters, things that do not endure for eternity. Build on Christ now, trust in him and start serving him. And if you are a Christian, remember that our labour, our service, our sacrifice is not in vain. And so let us give ourselves fully to it. That's what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Doesn't end there. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. It's not in vain. It may feel like it's in vain, but it's not. And so what do we do as we sacrifice ourselves? We can be glad and rejoice with the church. The Apostle Paul rejoiced with the Philippians. 
He rejoiced with them about what the Lord was doing. Why? Because he could see the work God was doing in him. And you can see that too. If you will trust in Christ Jesus, he will start using you. It'll be hard work, but he will start using you. And you will see results from your work by the power of the Holy Spirit. But you also look forward to that day, the awards ceremony, the last day when he will reward you accordingly. That's what the Apostle Paul did. He looked forward to that day. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 23, he says, I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What kept Paul going? What kept him running? What kept him laboring? What kept him being poured out like a drink offering? He was running to get the prize. He knew his life was not in vain. And we need to do that as well. We need to remember that every act that springs from the faith that God has given us in him will be remembered and boasted about on that day. Every loving act that we commit will be remembered. Do you believe that? Every meal you've given to someone else will be counted and remembered. It's not in vain. Every time you offer someone a drink, it is remembered. It feels like a waste. The person drinks it and moves on. It is counted. Every helping hand. When you hold out your hand and lift, help someone go up some stairs or lift a pram down some stairs, it is remembered. Every time you complete a roster task at the church, that duty is remembered by the Lord. Every toilet you clean, every nappy you change, he remembers it. It's an act of love for another person. It's not in vain. And also then all the spiritual exercises that we do, all the spiritual labours we do, they're remembered as well. Every prayer prayed is remembered by the Lord. Every dollar given is remembered. Every helpful word written or spoken is remembered. Every evangelistic effort is remembered, regardless of whether the person rebuffs you and gets hostile to you. God remembers it all, and it will be boasted about on that day. Now, it's hard to do, I know, when you're in the race. You see the runners, it's hard for them to think of the award at the end because all they can feel is the pain of running. And it's the same for us. Whatever work we're doing for the Lord, it can be very hard. And all we're thinking about is the pain of doing it. But we have to lift our minds to that day and to the boasting that will result in the glory and honour for God so that we rejoice in the labour, even as we feel the pain and we feel the weakness, we rejoice because the Lord is working in us and he will reward us and he will be glorified by it. Let's come to him in prayer. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we praise you as the God of great power, of great knowledge and great love. Oh Lord, we thank you for saving us and then working through us as instruments for your glory. Oh Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for not labouring as we should and for not rejoicing in being poured out like drink offerings for you. But Lord, we ask that you would help us, 
Help us to be glad and to rejoice in sacrificing our lives for your honour. We pray that you would help us to love unbelievers and believers, knowing that our labour is never, never in vain. And Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who is not standing on Christ Jesus, who is not building on that sure foundation of his sacrifice so many years ago, and is therefore wasting their life, Oh, Lord, we pray that they would see now by the power of the Holy Spirit that they are laboring for nothing and that they will trust in Christ Jesus now and begin laboring for him and therefore know that their labor is not in vain, but it will be rewarded on that last day. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.